Well, hello again. This is Buck Benning speaking. Wow, I have a great podcast for you today. We're going to be covering a lot of ground here. I'll try and uh, do this as fast as I can so we can get on to the great episode. Uh, to begin with, uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, television here in a second, but uh, first uh, let's talk about the episode, and it'll kind of segue us into television, and we'll go from there. Uh, some big news today, too, if we, if we listen to some um, fun things coming up with Jack Benning. Anyway, let's start with uh, the fact that this episode features the Beverly Hills Beavers. And uh, the Beavers are um, Jack's uh, troop of kind of a Boy Scout troop sort of thing that uh, uh, work with Jack... Um, and Jack's kind of their troop leader sort of thing, and and uh, I'm sure many of you are, uh, have heard these episodes before. Uh, if you've been if you've been tuning in, I, I believe I missed my opportunity earlier this year to present the first episode featuring uh, Beaver performer um, Harry Shearer, uh, but we'll talk about him today. Harry Shearer is on this episode. He plays Butch. This is not his first time being a beaver, but uh, uh, but this is one of many times he'll be a beaver on the show. And Harry Shearer is still around today, and he's more famous and, and better known, probably, uh, instead of as a beaver, as a character on The Simpsons um, TV show. So you probably, if you're a Simpsons fan... You can catch uh, him probably pretty much any day of the week now because the show is in syndication all the time and you can get all the different seasons on DVD now and so forth. Um, His characters he plays are uh, certainly the most famous are uh, Mr. Burns and Smithers, his assistant. Uh, Plus he does probably uh, a quarter of the voices you hear on the show are probably Harry Shearer. Uh, Harry Shearer also has a um, podcast of his own that he does uh, weekly or multiple times a week, maybe. Um, well, I think it's called La Show. And uh, so if you want to check out La Show sometime and hear what Harry Shearer has to say, you can do that. Now, Harry Shearer uh, followed Jack from radio into television and he is on many of the television shows whenever they have the beavers on there it's usually Harry Shearer that's on the show uh, and he has great reminiscences, reminiscences that he can do about the show and things which is awesome uh, and because of this and because he's still around uh, there's a decent chance that uh, he's going to uh, you're going to get a chance to maybe uh, see an interview of him uh, as he talks about the Jack Benny show if you uh, purchase the following item this is a little plug or something coming up that I'm really excited about uh, Laura Leff over uh, on the Jack Benny uh, who, who's the president of the Jack Benny fan club uh, has a chat each month and this last month I went to the chat room and got a chance to visit, and uh, she sort of let a little bit of um, the cat out of the bag a little bit about a DVD release that's coming up. I believe it's from Shout Factory, 
Uh, it's going to be 24 episodes of the Jack Benny Show. I believe none of them are in syndication now. And um, yes, she's been doing research for her book about the Jack Benny TV show that she has that's available on her site. Um, it's $60, but it's, and I have it, and it uh, covers every single episode and who the guest stars were and a little bit of summary of the show. And uh, It's a nice little book. Um, if you like to read kind of, uh, they're called logs uh, of, of shows, and so that's something you can get now. But this um, set of DVDs that's coming out, hopefully the first in a long series of DVDs, it'd be wonderful to get all the Jack Benny shows, uh, she says is going to have some special features and some special um, interviews of folks that were on the show. And I was thinking <laughs> in the chat room, I was like, hmm, the only person I can think of is Harry Shearer that's still alive from the Jack Benny show. I'm sure there's many other people. But I just questioned, I said, oh, is Harry Shearer going to be on there? And she said, you know, something like, could be. <laughs> so so he might be, he might not be, I don't know. But uh, I think she would have told me no, <laughs> chances are if he wasn't. So I'm hoping that he's going to be on there. And uh, I certainly am looking forward to these DVDs. And once they're out, I will tell you and link to them and all of that sort of thing so you can get them if you want. So that's wonderful news for Jack Benny fans. Uh, let's see. And she wouldn't tell us what the episodes were. I, I guess she went in with 36 episodes, and they told her they wanted to release 12. I mean, not 12, I mean 24. So hopefully she's well on her way to having another set that they could do if this set sells well. So hopefully it will sell really well. That would be wonderful. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed, presented by Lucky Strike. Do you do that, do that, do that, do you do that, do that? Be happy, go lucky, be happy, get better taste, be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. Friends, pair and compare. See for yourself that Luckies are made better to taste better. From a newly opened pack, take a cigarette made by any other manufacturer. Carefully tear a thin strip of paper straight down the seam from end to end and gently remove the tobacco. In tearing, be sure not to loosen or dig into the tobacco. Now, do exactly the same with a Lucky Strike. Then compare. Some cigarettes are too loosely packed. Some even fall apart. But look at that Lucky. See how it stays together, a perfect cylinder of fine, mild tobacco, so round and firm and fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Now, what does this mean to you as a smoker? It means your Lucky is free of excessive air spaces, hot spots that burn harsh and dry, and those annoying loose ends that spoil the taste. And because your Lucky has long strands of fresh, clean, good-tasting tobacco, it burns evenly. Smoke smooth and mild. Yes, tear and compare. Prove to yourself that Luckies are made better to taste better. Then make your next carton Lucky Strike. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, the Sportsman Quartet, and yours truly, Don Ladies and gentlemen, it's spring house cleaning time, and because of the size of Jack Benny's residence, 
Rochester has asked his friend Roy to come over and help him with the work. There, this rug is clean. And I finished dusting the furniture. Come on, let's start in the next room. Okay, Rochester. Gosh, Roy, Roy, I've got to tell you again, it sure is swell of you to come over here and help me. Ah, that's all right, Rochester. That's what friends are for, to do favors for each other. I guess you're right. That's how it is with the people on Mr. Benny's radio show. Don Wilson does favors for Dennis Day. Dennis Day does favors for Phil Harris. And last week, Mr. Benny gave Miss Livingston a blood transfusion. <laughs> Mr. Benny gave her a blood transfusion? Was Miss Livingston sick? No, it was her birthday, and he felt he had to give her something. <laughs> Rochester, with, with all these stories I hear about Mr. Benny, I'm curious. Just how much money does he pay you? Well... Come on, Rochester. How much salary do you get? Roy, you're unemployed, and I'm even ashamed to tell you. <laughs> oh, then what I heard about Mr. Benny being somewhat on the tight side is true. Well, uh, no, not exactly. You can't call a man tight just because he likes to save his money. I don't understand your figure in Rochester. If Mr. Benny isn't cheap, then why does he want to save so much money? He says money is healthy. Money? Healthy? Yeah, it's green. It's got chlorophyll. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Oh, Rochester. Rochester. Yes, boss? Where's my shoe brush? Right next to your shoes. Oh, thanks. Say, Rochester, if you help me move the piano, I could dust behind it. All right, but first put Mr. Benny's violin up on the shelf. Okay. Now, come on, help me move the piano. Uh-oh, some of the music fell off. Hey, it's all right, Rochester. I'll pick it up. Hmm, that's funny. I never heard of this song before. Oh, that's the one Mr. Benny wrote. Mr. Benny wrote a song? Let's see this. When you say I beg your pardon... Then I'll come back to you. When you ask me to forgive you, I'll... Oh, no, no, no. Now, wait a minute, Roy. Don't let that song fool you. It's liable to be a hit. What makes you say that? Mr. Benny's getting a big singer to introduce it. Johnny Ray. He really wants to make that boy cry, don't he? <laughs> I guess so. Oh, Rochester. Rochester. Yes, boss. Where's my hair brush? Right next to your hair! <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, Roy, put the music over on the table. Okay. Say, that's a nice picture of Mr. Benny. Where was it taken? In France. Two years ago, Mr. Benny vacationed at the beach on the Riviera. He sure looks good. But I think those French bathing suits look better on women. <laughs> but he'll try anything once. Oh, Rochester. Yes, boss? Where's my toothbrush and don't be funny? <laughs> well, never mind. I found it. Say, Rochester, this is the best picture I ever saw of Mr. Benny. How old is he anyway? 39. Oh, come on. We're friends. You can tell me. How old is he? 39, that's his real age. The other day I saw it on his driver's license. Really? Of course, it was a license to drive a stagecoach. <laughs> now, now, Roy, I I'm going to take this trash out the incinerator. Uh, will you finish the dusting? Okay. 
Doggone, Mr. Bennett sure has a nice house here. And the furniture is so... Hello. What? Oh, I'm sorry, madam. You must have the wrong number. Well, I better finish the dusting. Hey, what are all these packages doing packed here in the corner? Gosh, they're laundry bundles to be delivered. Say, she didn't have the wrong number. <laughs> She'll probably call back and... Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Roy. Where's Rochester? He went out to the incinerator to burn some things. Oh, oh. Uh, would you like me to get you some breakfast, Mr. Benny? No, i better wait for Rochester to do it. He knows how I like my eggs. Oh, well, uh, how do you like your eggs? I don't know. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not very... Oh, good morning, boss. I was just burning some trays. You didn't burn my copy of Esquire, did you? Oh, no, boss. Good, good. Say, did Dennis Day call me? No, why? Well, I told him I wanted to come over this morning. I want to hear his song. Well, he usually comes in the afternoon. Well, I won't be here this afternoon. I'm taking the Beverly Hills Beavers to the zoo. I better call Dennis. Hmm. Come in. Hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, Dennis, I was just phoning you at your house. Oh, well, hold on. I'll run home and answer it. I just want to talk to you, that's all. Come here. Now, Dennis, I told you to get here early today because I'm going to be out this afternoon. Where were you all morning? Oh, I was taking a magic lesson. Another lesson? Dennis, why are you studying magic? I want to amaze people. Believe me, you do. <laughs> you know, Mr. Benny, today I learned a wonderful trick. Maybe I can do it on your next television show, huh? A trick? Dennis, look at all you I... You know the famous trick where you take 20 sewing needles and swallow them, and then you take a piece of thread and swallow it, and then all the needles come up threaded? You... You did that trick? Uh-huh. And it worked all right? I don't know yet. They're going to operate on me tomorrow. <laughs> Dennis, I don't want to hear any more about your magic lessons. I promised to take the beavers to the zoo today, so let me hear the song you're going to do on the show. Okay. <laughs> What are you laughing at? Those needles are keeping me in stitches. Now cut that off! And sing your song. Sometimes in the hush of the evening hour when shadows creep from the west, I think of the twilight songs you sang and the boy you love to rest. A wee little lad with a tousled head that Oh, 
Sunday being Mother's Day. Now, you better run along because i got to have something to eat and then take the beavers to the Griffith Park Zoo. Would you like to go with us? No, I don't like to go to the zoo. It's fattening. The zoo is fattening? What do you mean? The monkeys keep throwing me peanuts. <laughs> well, you don't have to eat them. Dennis, run along, will you? Okay. Come in. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Mary. Are you going to go with, to the zoo with Mr. Benny? Yes, are you? No, I'm overweight now. Goodbye. <laughs> Say, Jack, how soon are we going to leave? Wait a minute, Mary. Did you hear what Dennis just said? Yes, when I asked him he was going to the zoo, he said no, he was overweight. Now, Jack, when are we going to leave? Wait a minute, Mary. Wait a minute. <laughs> just one minute. Don't you want to know what he meant? I know what he meant. What? To him, the zoo is fattening because when he goes there, the monkeys throw peanuts at him. Well, how did you know? I'd seen them do it. <laughs> well, how do you like that? I thought he made the whole thing up. Say, hey, Jack, how soon are we going? As soon as the beavers get here. Well, as long as we have a few minutes, I've got something I'd like to read to you. What is it? A letter from my mother. A letter from your mother. Another one, huh? Um, Go ahead, Mary. Read it. Okay. Well, so long, Roy, and thanks for the help. You're welcome, Rochester. Oh, excuse me a minute, Mary. Roy, thanks very much for helping Rochester. I was glad to do it, Mr. Benny. Now, wait a minute. Here's a $5 bill for you. Oh, thanks, Mr. Benny, but I couldn't take $5. Well, uh, here's $3. No. No, I couldn't take that much. Well, then here, at least take a dollar. Well... Take 50 cents. I was going to take the dollar. <laughs> oh, oh, well, here you are. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right, Mary, read me your mother's letter. Okay. <clears throat> My darling daughter, Mary, just a note to let you know that we are all well. Although I must say that this being election year, your father and I have been having our usual political arguments. As you know, I'm a Republican, he's a Democrat. 
I wear a button that says I like ice, and your father's been wearing a coonskin cap. He thought it was a coonskin until this morning when it had kittens. <laughs> no kidding. Well, Mary, at last... Well, Mary, at last I have some good news for you. We're finally getting rid of your Aunt Emily. Well, it's about time. She's been living with your family as long as I can remember. For the past two years, your Aunt Emily's been going with the local undertaker. And next Sunday, they're getting married. I'm glad when they get a home of their own, I'm tired of them coming in here every night with those secondhand flowers. <laughs> God. Right now, she's wearing a ribbon in her hair that says, Rest in Peace. But even though he's an undertaker, he's very progressive, and he's the only one in town with a convertible hearse. Uh, <laughs> a, a convertible hearse? His slogan is, get a little brown before they lower you down. <laughs> No. <laughs> no other news. Well, your mother's a humdinger today. <laughs> no other news, so we'll close with love, Mama. P.S. Just as I was getting ready to seal this envelope, the postman came with your check for Mother's Day. Mary, this was very thoughtful of you. But how you could send me that much money on the salary Jack pays you, I'll never know. Mary, how much did you send her? Four dollars. <laughs> Oh, well, that's different. Say, Mary, when you answer the, uh, your mu... I'll get it, Rochester. That must be the beavers. Excuse me, Mary. Well, Joey, Stevie, boy, come on in. Ah, gee, Mr. Benny. When beavers meet their leader, no one is supposed to talk until after the official greeting. Oh, my goodness, I forgot. I'll close the door and we'll do it over again. Come in. Eye to eye, heart to heart, fellow beavers never part. Through thick and thin, and rain or shine, we'll never doubt you're 39. <laughs> and should we ever quarrel, as sometimes people do, when you say I beg your pardon, then I'll come back to you. <laughs> Ah, gee, thanks, fellow beavers. That's wonderful. I think it's corny. <laughs> Come on in, kids. Are you ready to take us to the zoo, Mr. Benny? Yes, as soon as I get my hat and coat. Come on in. Hello, beavers. Hello, Hello Miss Livingston. Livingston. Are you going to the zoo with us? Well, yes, boys, I am. Good, good. <laughs> Okay, okay, come on, kids. We're off to the zoo. We'll see lions and elephants. Will we see any tigers? Tigers? I'll say we will. Come on, let's go. Where's the tiger? Can't find the tiger. Lost the tiger. Ain't seen the tiger. Where's the tiger? Hold the tiger. Lost the tiger. Has anybody seen the tiger? Here, kitty, 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 k
hear puss, puss, puss. Where did that mean old kitty cat go? Chasing tigers is no joke. Let's take time to have a smoke. LSM, MSD, that's the smoke made for me. Try one and you'll agree. When you tear and compare, you declare everywhere. Lucky strikes a cigarette for me. Hold that lucky, hold that lucky. Like that lucky, like that lucky. Love that lucky, love that lucky. Smoke that lucky. Like it's made of fine tobacco. the zoo and we'll have a lot of fun. Oh, boy, what a big mouth on that one. Say, Miss Livingston. Uh, what is it, Joey? We think it's awful nice of Mr. Benny to bring us here and show us all the animals he captured while he was in Africa. Uh, captured while he was... Come on, kids, let's go. Uh, wait a minute. Jack, did you tell... Mary, never mind. Peanuts, peanuts, get your peanuts here to feed the animals. Oh, boys, would you like me to get you some peanuts? Yeah, sure. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, mister. Yeah, lady? Uh, three bags of peanuts, please. There you are. That's uh, 30 cents. 30 cents? Yeah, 10 cents a bag. Well, gee, it seems to me that a nickel a bag would be plenty. I'm sorry, lady, but it's 10 cents a bag. Well, how about making a three for a quarter? Yeah. <laughs> Holy smoke. <laughs> Mary, Mary, what are you laughing at? You gave me one pint of your blood and already it's affected me. <laughs> well, what's so terrible about that? This morning I stopped payment on my mother's check. <laughs> Mary, you better call the bank and get it fixed up. Lady, do you want the peanuts or not? Of course I want them. Here's 50 cents. Keep the change. Gee. Come on, kids. Hey, Mr. Bennett. What kind of an animal is that peeking up and down in that cage? Which one? The one with the spots on it. Oh, oh, that's a leopard. A leopard? Is that the kind of skin you wore when you played the part of Tarzan in the movie? <laughs> well... Jack, did you tell these kids you played the part of Tarzan? He probably didn't tell you, Miss Livingston, because he's so modest. <laughs> yes, yes. Mr. Benny, get your check and give the Tarzan yell. The Tarzan yell? Oh, not in front of all these people. Go on, Tarzan, give the yell. Mary. <laughs> Mary, don't be silly. You give that yell or I'll tell all these kids the truth. Oh, all right. <laughs> What's the matter, buddy? You got a peanut stuck in your throat? <laughs> Mary, let's get away from here. You and your big mouth. Never mind. Come on, kid. Hey, Jackson. Jackson. Uh, oh, hello, Phil. Hello, Phil. Hiya, Livy. Hey, what are you doing down here at the zoo? Strictly business, Jackson. You know I'm losing Bridwell, my clarinet player. 
Well, what's losing your clarinet player got to do with your coming down to the zoo? They got a trained seal here that blows the horn, and I came down to audition him. <laughs> Phil, are you serious? You're going to replace Bridwell with a seal? Pretty good idea, ain't it? Well, from an appearance standpoint, I think it's an improvement. <laughs> but musically, I don't know. You said the same thing about Fletch, my trombone player. But when I put shoes on him and shaved him all the way down to the waist, nobody ever guessed I got him from Clyde Beatty. <laughs> I didn't even know it myself until I saw him turn the music with his feet. <laughs> Anyway, Phil, I'm glad you're going to hire that seal. You are? Yeah, it'll be a novelty having one member in your orchestra that likes water. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yes, yes. Oh, Mr. Bates. Over here, kid. Hey, Mr. Bates, it's getting late. You want to see the rest of the animals. Oh, in a minute. Come over and say hello to Mr. Harris. Hello, Mr. Harris. Hello. Hiya, kid. Are you Phil Harris? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Gee, are you the guy that's married to that blonde bombshell? That's <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jackson. I also get a kick out of it when I tell her someone called her a blonde bombshell. <laughs> What's your name, Sonny? Just tell her it's the kid who keeps calling her up. Call her up. Look, Buster, you break up my home and I'll strangle you with a lock of my own hair. <laughs> all right, all right, Phil. Come on, kid. See you later, Phil. So long, Jackson. I'm going over to see the elephants again. Again? Why all the interest, Phil? Haven't you ever seen elephants before? Not gray ones. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Well, so long, Phil. So long, Jackson. <laughs> They're feeding the lions and tigers. Yeah. Gosh, I wouldn't want to tangle with a tiger. Well, I wouldn't want to get too close to a lion. A tiger is much tougher than a lion. Oh, yeah? Boys, boys, don't argue about it. Yes, kids, we can get this settled right now. Here comes the animal trainer. I'll ask him. Say, mister, I'm sorry to bother you, but between the lion and the tiger, which one is the more ferocious? I don't know. Well, isn't the lion called the king of beasts? I don't know. <laughs> well, isn't it true that the lion is stronger, but the tiger is more cunning? I don't know. <laughs> well, if you don't know anything, why are you carrying that whip and a chair? Did you ever see my wife? <laughs> Let's go, kid. Mr. Benny, which one do you say was the most ferocious? His wife. <laughs> Let's go and look at the other animal. Oh, shut up. Gee, Mr. Benny, you're not afraid of that lion, are you? Of course not. He roars again, I'll go in that cage and slap his silly face. Now, come on, kids, and you better button up your coats. It's getting breezy. Yeah, here, Butch, let me help you with your coat. Wait a minute. It went blew my hat off. Hey, Joey, look where your hat went. It blew into the lion's cage. Let's go, Mary. I want my hat. I want my hat. We'll get you a new one. I don't want a new one. I want that one. I want my hat. Hey, Joy, look. The lion is chewing on your hat. Don't worry. 
Mr. Benny will go in there and slap a silly thing. <laughs> That's right. Go on in, Tarzan, and get his hat. Well. All right, Mary, if you want me to, I will. I'll go in that cage and get his hat. Stand aside. Stop snarling at me and get your dirty paw off that hat. Get it off, I said. That's better. Here's your hat, Joey. Gee, thanks, Mr. Benny. Gosh, golly. Well, Mary, you didn't think I'd go into that lion's cage, did you? Did you? Jack. What? I dare you to do it on television. <laughs> If Mel Blank plays the lion, I will. Come on, kids, we're going home. Jack, we'll be back in just a moment, but first... Be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. Friends, you can tear and compare and see with your own eyes how luckies are made better to taste better. From a newly opened pack, take a cigarette made by any other manufacturer. Carefully tear a thin strip of paper straight down the seam from end to end and gently remove the tobacco. In tearing, be sure not to loosen or dig into the tobacco. Now, do exactly the same with a lucky strike. Then compare. You'll see some cigarettes are so loosely packed they fall apart. Others have excessive air spaces, hot spots that burn harsh and dry. But you won't find that in a lucky... Just look at that perfect cylinder of fine, mild tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Notice those long strands of fresh, clean, good-tasting tobacco that smoke smooth and even, that give you a milder, better-tasting cigarette. Yes, friends, tear and compare. Prove to yourself that Luckies are made better to taste better. Then make your next carton Lucky Strike. Do you do that, do that, be happy, go lucky, go lucky, strike today. Good night, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Transcribed, this is the CBS Radio Network. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Today, Phil's little girls are a surprise hit on a television show, and someone tries to capitalize on their talents. How Phil foils this plot, we'll see in a moment. But first, this word from RCA Victor. Carry a tune wherever you go. Take along an RCA Victor portable radio. RCA Victor brings you the pick of the portables. Powerful, compact, and easy to take anywhere. It's a wonderful the way a portable livens up a gathering, brings in your favorite programs most anywhere. 
Stop in at your RCA Victor dealer tomorrow. See his entire line of RCA Victor portable radios and pay special attention to the personal. There's a portable with bell clear tone that delivers all the volume you need indoors or out. And yet the personal is a portable radio just six inches high, no larger than an average book. Yes, for spring fun, get the handy lightweight portable that's ready to go and ready to play anywhere. Get RCA Victor's most compact portable radio, the Personal. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Bill Harris. A new television show has just started in Hollywood. It's a variety show featuring the children of famous stars. Today, the Harris children are appearing on it, and Phil and Alice are bursting with parental pride. They're at home, glued to their television set, waiting for their girls to make their appearance. Gee whiz, Alice, the show's been on 20 minutes. When are our kids gonna be on? Oh, quiet, Phil. Here comes the master of ceremonies with a little boy. Let's listen. All right, let's uh, step right up to the microphone, son. So you want to be an actor, eh? Yep. You want to go into motion pictures? Yep. Do you think you'll be as good as your father? Yep. Thank you, Gary Cooper Jr. <laughs> I thought they'd never get that kid to stop talking. Oh, isn't he adorable? And he looks just like his daddy. Yeah. Only four years old and he's six foot three. <laughs> hey, honey, I wonder when our kids are going to be on. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we're happy to present the daughters of two famous stars. Uh oh, here they come now. Yes, folks, we take pleasure in presenting you little Alice and Phyllis. But first, a word from our sponsor, Levy's Love Seat. <laughs> Levy's Love Seats. Yes, Levy's Love Seats, the cornerstone of home entertainment for three generations. <laughs> You can't go wrong on a Levy love seat because Mr. Levy stands behind every love seat. <laughs> Get one of these lovely love seats. I don't want no love seat, especially with Levy looking over my shoulder. <laughs> Look, I want to see my kids. They'll be on soon, Phil. But gee, they've had some cute children on so far, haven't they? Eh. <laughs> oh, come now You must admit Groucho Marx's little girl Was adorable Yeah, yeah She was cute If you like little girls With big mustaches <laughs> Phil, she was imitating her father And I thought Quiet, she Quiet, Alice a... Look, look, look They're bringing our kids on now And now we take great pleasure In presenting the next two little girls They're the daughters Of those two famous stars Alice Faye and Hello, everybody Let him mention my name <laughs> What's the matter with that kid? Oh, Bill, she's just a little anxious. Let her be anxious on your name, not mine. <laughs> Girl, you folks have all seen the mother of these children, the famous Alice Faye, and their father, the equally famous Phil Faye. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna lump that guy's lousy love seat. <laughs> not my father's name. Oh, Phil, the poor child is nervous. Now, don't be nervous, little Alice. What is your father's name? It's, uh... <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> oh, that kid's been popping her bubble gum too long. <laughs> she can't remember her own father's name? Oh, 
I remember now. Daddy's name is Phil Harris. Oh, of course, Phil Harris. Why, everybody knows Phil Harris, the famous, uh, the, he's the well-known, uh... <laughs> what did he do again? Oh, I've got to put a knot on his head. <laughs> Our daddy is a famous band leader, comedian, and singer. And we're going to do an impersonation of daddy singing That's What I Like About the South. Wouldn't you rather recite a poem, darling? <laughs> no, I want to impersonate my daddy. I think you ought to do a poem. I want to impersonate my daddy. I said do a poem. <laughs> Stop twisting our little arm. All right, all right, we'll do a poem. My sister and I would now like to recite a poem entitled That's What I Like About the South. Give us a downbeat, Clyde. Won't you come with me to Alabama? Let's go see my dear old mammy. She's frying eggs and broiling hammy. And that's what I like about the South. Yeah! Hey, Alice. Yeah. Oh, honey, weren't our kids just great on that show? I can't wait to see Bing Crosby and tell them about my kids. Well, Phil, what's Bing got to do with it? Well, look, honey, every time I go out on the golf course with Bing, he's always bragging about how much money his kids are making with their talent. Now my kids are going to make just as much money with their talent. Oh, I can just picture Bing's face when I tell him I'm quitting as he's caddy. <laughs> You just love the way little Alice impersonated me singing What good is a gal without a guy? Sure, she sounded as good as you do Oh, I wouldn't say that When I sing it, 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 it sounds more like, like this What good is a gal without a guy? What good is the earth without the sky? The flowers would fail to show Without the sun to make them grow What good is a gal without a guy? Now what good is a table set for two If nobody's sitting there with you? And what good is a moonlit night If no one's there to hold you tight? What good is a gal without a guy? Who wants to live alone and like it? Need a man around to build up your morale. To light a match, you've got to strike it. It's wrong to be by yourself. Come on, get off of your shelf. What good is a gal like you and me? I'm just like a hive without a bee. Start wearing that baby stare and wearing that perfume in your hair. To come and get it, twinkle in your eye. What good is a gal without a guy? A gal can be so lonesome without the man she wants. It never seems to work out. Her heart just taunts and taunts. Who wants to be alone and lonesome? You need someone around who's gonna be your pal. It's tough to be all by your own. So, 
When you're alive and you're young, a fling has got to be flung. What good is a park without a bench? What good is the moor without the French? If nobody's missing you, a wondering who is kissing you, there's nothing to do but just sit back and sigh. What good is a gal without a guy? A guy, a guy. What good is a gal without a Well, Alice, our little starlets are home. I just saw them getting out of the cab. You know something? I can't wait to tell them how great they were. Now, now, wait a minute, Phil. I don't want you making a fuss over them. It's liable to go to their heads and spoil them. Not my kids. <laughs> They're modest and unassuming. They're as great as their father. <laughs> and they have the same touch of humility that makes me so lovable. <laughs> Oh, Wonga, please. Now, just don't let them know how good we thought they were, because I don't... Oh, no, Mommy, Daddy, we're home. How did you like us on television? You were fair. Fair? Let's face it, Mother, we're the hottest thing to hit show business since Cohen on the telephone. <laughs> how did you like us, Daddy? You were adequate. <laughs> adequate? Did you hear that, Alice? Oh, pay no attention, Phyllis. It's just professional jealousy. <laughs> you see, Father never got as much acclaim when he used to be in show business. What do you mean, used to be? <laughs> I'm still in it. Yes, Father, but you're getting a little old. And now that we're successful, you can retire and we'll support you. We'll hire a nurse to take care of you. Look, I don't need no nurse. <laughs> I don't even need no... Male or female? <laughs> Male. As I was saying, I don't need no nurse. Well, now I know how you feel, Father, doing your show every Sunday. It's very tiring. So if you'll excuse me, I'll take a bowl of martinis and go to bed. <laughs> what are you going to do? No, but that's what you always say when you come home from your show. <laughs> now, that does it. That does it. I'm not going to have my children acting like a couple of spoiled brats. You're through with show business. I don't think our agent's going to like that. What agent? The one who signed us as his clients right after the show. He said he's going to give us 10% of everything we earn. <laughs> going to give you 10%. He's the one that's supposed to get the 10% and you're supposed to get 90. I ain't going to let nobody be your clients. That don't make sense, does it? <laughs> I better read that again. I ain't going to let you be his client. <laughs> I got to get somebody else to put this stuff down. Now, uh... <laughs> That agent is nothing but a vulture And he's preying on little kids' talent Taking their money and rot Wait, come in Hi, Curly Oh, hello, Remley I'm glad you're here I want to tell you about a no-good chiseling Now, later, Curly Tell my two little clients their agent is here <laughs> Remley, not you Who else? <laughs> 
Did you sign the girls to a contract? Yep. <laughs> I already got them a lot of work. Tomorrow they start a split week in Peoria. Then I... <laughs> Then I got him booked for three days in the pastrami room at Lenny's Delicatessen. Frankie, they I'll... get twelve dollars a week and all the coleslaw they can eat. <laughs> Look, Remley, I just want to know one thing. Now the girls told me that you're keeping ninety percent and that they're only getting ten percent. Well, they read the small print, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Curly, it's true that I'm keeping ninety percent, but not for myself. I'm going to keep it for the kids until their contract with me expires. Then they'll get it all back in one lump sum. How long's your contract run? 99 years. <laughs> with options for renewal. Nice try, kid, but it ain't going to work because the contract ain't legal. You forced them to sign it. I resent that. I did not force them, and I'll prove it to you. Alice? Did I force you to sign this contract? Yes <laughs> Oh Did I hold a gun to your head? Yes Was it loaded? Yes Did I pull the trigger? No You see, the kids were free to do as they please <laughs> Friendly, what's the matter with you? You know, you've done some pretty bad things in your life But this is the lowest thing you've ever done Oh, I don't know <laughs> I don't think this compares to the time I put gunpowder in my grandmother's toothpaste And she went around shooting her mouth off <laughs> All right, Remy, will you please <laughs> Oh, Robert Hope Will you <laughs> Look, Remley, I'm telling you that you're not going to represent my children If anybody's going to take charge of their careers, it's going to be me I'm going to represent my kids Oh, no Then you can't do this to me on Mother's Day Now, wait a minute, Alice I'll handle this I'm a pretty shrewd businessman And I think I proved that when I drew up your contract with NBC <laughs> Nobody else in show business has a contract like yours I know I'm the only star on radio who has to stay after the show and clean up the studio. <laughs> well, I had to make some concessions. <laughs> now, look, Alice, do me a favor. You go in and call NBC. Just tell them that our talented children are available, and if they'll come up with some very generous offer, we might let them appear on their television network. Very well, but I'll handle this in my own way. I'll be right back. Curling, television's kind of a tough thing. You think your kids are good enough to succeed? That's a stupid question. <laughs> they can't miss. They've got my talent. Curly, you topped me. <laughs> what do you mean? Your answer is even more stupid than my question. <laughs> Never mind. I'll give you an example of my talent right now. All righty. In my dreams I seem to hear a whistle shrill Like the whippoorwill and of the whippoorwill In my ears I hear it ringing And the past to me it is bringing It reminds me of the dear old Mississippi When I loaded cotton on that stern wheel ship Roused about, knocked about They were the happy days, there's no doubt 
on the Mississippi, on the Mississippi, where those boats go puffin' along. On the Mississippi, people all go dippy when they hear a little bit of ragtime melody. It seems I hear them singing, see them buckin' wingin', hear those banjos ringin', woo, my heart is clingin' to that Mississippi, dear old Mississippi, that's where I was born. Just have to close my eyes to see that side, that river all a glistening in the bright moonlight. And with my gal again, I am strolling, and her eyes at me, they are a rolling. All along the levee, see those people prance. Just listen to the music, watch that shuffling dance. Loud in me. Can't you see that there is only one place for me? And it's on that Mississippi, on that Mississippi, where those boats go puffing along. On the Mississippi, people all go dippy when they hear a little bit of ragtime melody. It seems I hear them singing, see them bucking, winging, hear those banjos ringing. Ooh, my heart is clinging to that Mississippi, dear old Mississippi, that's where I belong. Curly, that was splendor. <laughs> No wonder people compare your voice to Diamond Jim Brady. <laughs> he wasn't a singer. He was famous for eating. That's what I mean. When you sing, you sound like you got a leg of lamb in your mouth. <laughs> You've always been jealous of my voice, haven't you? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I sing good, and I want you to know something, that my kids are even better. They're going to be the biggest thing in television. I'll Phil, guarantee that... Phil, yeah. I just spoke to NBC about our children. Oh, how much do they offer and when do they start? Nothing and they don't. <laughs> NBC doesn't want them on their network because they don't think they have any talent. NBC don't think our kids have... Oh, somebody's been kicking their chimes around. <laughs> They must be crazy if they turn our kids down Look, I'm going to take over from here Just leave it to me I'm going down to NBC and tell that president off Come on, Remley Yeah And another thing I ain't afraid of you or NBC I don't care how important you are You can't scare me But, Mr. Hatton... Don't interrupt I'm a pretty big guy on this network myself I'm a star and unless you put my kids on your television network, I'll have your job. Curly, why do you want his job? He's a janitor. <laughs> oh, he's not the president. That three-button suit and the celluloid collar fool me. I no, here, here comes the president now. Tell him. Oh, that's a president. Huh? Don't worry, I'll tell him. To, um... Pardon me, Mr. Groner. Well, what do you want, Harris? I'm a busy man. Well, sir, I... <laughs> Why, you look attractive in that sanfarized seersucker suit. 
Do you have that suit made or did it just grow like that? Frankie! <laughs> Go on, tell him on. I'm going to, I'm going to. <laughs> Mr. Groner, I have a complaint to make. I have one too. A complaint about me? No, about your wife. After last week's show, she didn't clean up the studio very well. <laughs> Did she sweep the dirt under the carpet again? I didn't mind that, but she swept two of our vice presidents under there, too. <laughs> Look, Mr. Gruner, enough about my wife, because, well, I'm here to talk to you about my children. Now, I understand that you refuse to put my kids on television, and I'm here to tell you that you have to put them on. I just knew you'd give me trouble. <laughs> That's why I've got your contract out. I have it right here, and there's nothing in it that says I have to hire your children. Perhaps not. But there are other ways that I can make you listen to reason. I'm a pretty important asset to your ne uh, network, and I'm giving you an ultimatum. Either you put my kids on television, or you can tear up my contract. Wait a minute. <laughs> What are you doing? Can't you take a joke? <laughs> Friendly, pick up the pieces. I'll get the glue. Oh, them pains. <laughs> Wait a minute, Mr. Gruner. Not so hasty. Uh, why don't you want my kids on television? Because they don't have any talent. Blunt, ain't he, Curly? <laughs> Mr. Gruner, won't you please give my kids a chance? It's going to mean a lot to my wife. Oh, very well. We're starting a new children's show And they're rehearsing in that studio right now Why don't you go in and see the star of the show Maybe he can find a spot for your children Gee, thank you, sir Come on, Remley Yeah Hey, you think the star will use your kids? Who, the star we're gonna see? Yeah Oh, it's a cinch I know every star at NBC <laughs> All I have to do is to tell him that the kids are good And he'll hire them you know, all them stars, all these stars around here, they got a lot of respect for me. Mm -hmm. You just watch the way I'm greeted. Pardon me, I'm Phil Harris. Close the door, stupid. We're rehearsing. <laughs> oh, no. It's the stomach ulcer that walks like a boy. <laughs> Look, Julius, I want to talk to you. Not now. I got a television show going on here. That's just what I want to talk to you about. Look. I got an act that I want you to see, and Read I get... Read it, Mac! And take your trained baboon with you! <laughs> what are you talking about? I ain't got no trained baboon. I just came in with... <laughs> oh, he must mean you, Remley. <laughs> hey, what are you doing here, Julius? This is a kid's program, and I'm the star kid. They couldn't have picked a nicer goat for the job. I know a girl who necks like a giraffe. A girl that... What does that mean? Nothing. <laughs> I just want to get in on this animal routine. <laughs> hey, Julius, I'd like to ask you something. What? Tell me. What nearsighted sponsor hired you to be the star of his television show? Don't try to be funny. It don't fit your character. <laughs> My sponsor's a very smart man. He picked me because he feels that as soon as people see me on the screen, they will immediately identify me with his product. What's he selling, embalming fluids? <laughs> I'm being sponsored by the Encino Market. 
where I work. The owner of the market picked me because he thinks I'm good looking. He thinks I have a clean cut, fresh appearance. He thinks you look fresh. Oh, remind me not to buy any meat at that market. <laughs> How can anybody in his right mind think that you're good looking? Who said he's in his right mind? <laughs> Looking to get a job in show business Look at you, you're working <laughs> It wasn't my face that got me where I am I'm successful Because I have charm <laughs> You got all the charm of a bilious attack <laughs> I saw you on television once And your kisser ain't exactly appetizing When did you see me on television? Three Ago, and Mac, you ain't very photogenic. Your head looked like a mushroom. You had a long, thin neck, and it got flat and billowy on top. Julius, that was the atom bomb explosion. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Julius, I'm here to talk about my kids. I want you to put them on your show. I don't want them on my show. I ain't asking you, I'm telling you. Get lost, you Cherokee renegade. <laughs> that does it, Remley. Grab them. Yeah, I got them, Curly. I got Either you give my kids a job Or I'm gonna holla out the top of your head And make a salad bowl out of them All right, all right I'll see to it that my sponsor Gives your kids a job Hey, Curly While we got them in this position Why don't we get on television, too? It's a very good idea Look, Julius Not only is your sponsor Gonna hire my kids But Frankie and me and Alice Are gonna work for your sponsor, too But, Mr. Harris, I get You wanna work for my sponsor, huh? Yeah Okay, just sign this contract It'll be a pleasure Congratulations, Mr. Harris Now that you've signed the contract You, your family, and Mr. Remley Are all working for my sponsor The Encino Supermarket Boy, I can't wait to get started On my new career Me too Strawberries <laughs> Strawberries, get your fresh strawberries here Order a box Rutabagas, avocado, <laughs> cashew nuts. <laughs> Fine contract you signed, Curly. Well, Julius tricked me. I thought it was for television. How was I supposed to know we signed the work at the market for the next three years? I hope you get hives from those strawberries. Get what? Hives. Oh, hives. Yeah. <laughs> And I've worked so hard in my life What are you kicking about? Look at my kids over there watering down the lettuce <laughs> Look at my poor wife Oh, Alice What do you want? <laughs> Why don't you rest a while, dear? You've been stacking them beer cases all Time for outdoor sports, picnics, and weekend trips. Time to get out your handy portable radio and have it put in top operating condition. If you want clear listening from your portable radio, take it to your local radio dealer tomorrow for a complete inspection. It's smart to have him check it over because he knows portables best. Get your local radio serviceman or dealer to install fresh, new, long-lasting RCA radio batteries. No matter what make of portable you have, there's an RCA battery to fit it and to give it fresh new power for the outdoor season ahead. 
be sure to ask your radio dealer or serviceman for dependable RCA radio batteries. They're radio engineered for extra listening hours. Uh, this is Phil again, folks. The enlisted women and women officers of the armed forces can truly be called the first ladies of the nation. 72,000 young women are needed by July the 1st. So check your favorite service, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, or Nurses Corps right away. Thank you, and good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. This program is produced and directed by Paul Phillips. Remember, whether you're buying a television set, a radio, a Victrola phonograph, or records, put your faith in the cornerstone of American home entertainment for three generations. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in television. Next, Theater Guild on the Air presents Prologue to Glory on NBC. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1941-42 season. Uh, if you listen to the Fred Allen Show recently from the 1942 season then you know that he spends part of his show um, talking about the Jack Benny show and kind of analyzing it and, of course, making jokes about it. I've been wanting Jack to respond to that, and in this episode, towards the end, he will respond to Fred Allen's analysis of his show, which I think is going to be interesting. So make sure you tune in for that, and we'll have some more uh, Fred Allen shows that are going to be from the 1942 season that will continue with their analysis of the Jack Benny show. So kind of fun to go back and forth between the two. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and we'll see you next time. The Jell-O program coming to you from the Santa Ana Air Base in Santa Ana, California, presented by Jell-O and Jell-O Pudding, starring Jack Benny. With Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis A. Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with I Am an American. Sugar rationing friends affects all of us. It affects you, your grocer, the folks who make Jello, every one of us. And all of us are doing our best to meet the situation, and we're going to make this sugar rationing plan a success. Next time you go to the store, if you find that there's not a full assortment of Jell-O and Jell-O pudding flavors to choose from, don't blame your grocer. It may have been impossible recently for him to obtain a complete range of Jell-O and Jell-O pudding flavors as usual. Of course, he'll continue to have a good supply of both these popular Jell-O desserts on his shelves. But he may not be able to offer you all the flavors all the time. So take this into consideration when you buy. If the particular flavor you want isn't available, try another. Perhaps one that you haven't tried recently. They're all swell but buy only for your present needs. In this way, there should be enough for everybody. Let's cooperate so that everyone can enjoy these two grand desserts, Jell-O and Jell-O puddings.
That was I am an American played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from the United States Army Air Base at Santa Ana, we bring you a man who drove us here in his old tin canna, Jack Benny. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Jello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Donna, I mean Don, <laughs> as long as I was nice enough to give the whole gang a lift down here in my Maxwell, I don't see any necessity for referring to it as a tin can. But Jack, your car isn't exactly the latest model, and besides, it's so slow. What do you mean, slow? Look, it's only 50 miles from Hollywood to Santa Ana, isn't it? Yes. Well, all I say is, if we leave Saturday morning, we should get here the same day. <laughs> All right, what's the big rush? We took our time and we saw beautiful scenery. Well, I guess you're right, Jack. Wasn't such a bad trip after all. You're darn tootin'. And uh, incidentally, I'd like to pay my share of the gas. The gas? No, no, Don, forget it. Forget but, it. Jack, I wouldn't think of imposing. Now, how much was it? Well, oh, Don, let's not talk about it. No, let's not... Let's not talk about it, please. But, Jack, I insist. How much do I owe you? Well, that would come to about... No, no, Don. <laughs> forget it. Forget it. Say. Now, Jack Benny, I demand that you let me pay my share of the gas. Here's a $20 bill. Thanks. Well done. <laughs> well done. It sure is great broadcasting here. For Wait all... a minute. Don't I get any change? Change? Oh, oh, yes, pardon me. <laughs> uh, your, uh, your share of the expenses, Don, comes to $1.15, including... Including what? Insurance. You had full protection from the Randall Motor Club. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll get your change. Uh, wait till I open my purse. <laughs> Here you are. Well, as I was saying, Don, it sure is great broadcasting for all these army men. Yes, Jack, I'm getting a big kick out of it. Me too. Well, look who's here, the sweetheart of the Air Force. Keaton sighing, that's my motto. Well, here we are, Mary. Isn't this a fine-looking bunch of boys? You said it. If this was a cafeteria, I wouldn't know which one to pick. Yeah. Uh, these guys like you, too, Mary. You know, they don't see many girls around here. <laughs> no, but they see plenty of them at Laguna Beach and Balboa. Now, wait a minute, Mary. These boys don't go to Balboa to flirt with girls. They don't, eh? No. They go there to have fun on the roller coaster. <laughs> and throw baseballs and win Popeye dolls and ride in the tunnel of love. With a Popeye doll, you're crazy. <laughs> well, maybe I am. I oh, Mary, wasn't that a lovely ride we had down here in Jack Maxwell? Lovely. Now, Don, if Mary doesn't want to help pay for the gas, she doesn't have to. <laughs> forget it, Mary, forget it. No, I want to pay my share. I didn't chip in last time, and I got anonymous letters for a month. <laughs> Anonymous? I wonder who could have... Oh, yes. Anyway, uh... Anyway, Mary, you don't have to pay the dollar fifteen for this trip. Oh, I'll pay it. Where else can I ride 24 hours so cheap? 
Well, we we would have made it much sooner, Mary, if it hadn't been for that bridge out. And that's another thing. Why did you make us all get out of the car and look for your bridge? <laughs> because we hit a bump and away it went. That's why. Anyway, I'm not asking you for the money, so what's the big argument? Hey, Mr. Benny, speaking of our trip down here... Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. Well, that's, uh, that's quite a, that's quite a hand you got there. Yeah. Say, Mr. Benny, speaking of our trip down here... How, uh, how do you feel, kid? Oh, all right. I thought I had the mumps early in the week, but it turned out to be a tennis ball. <laughs> a tennis ball? It's a swell game, but I gotta learn to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Yes, yes, that would help, you know. Say, Mr. Benny, speaking of our trip down here... Yeah? I'd like to pay my share of the expenses. Well, why didn't you say so? Uh, you owe me one dollar even, Dennis. Okay, here it is. Wait a minute, Jack. How come Dennis pays only a dollar and you had Mary and me down for a dollar fifteen? There was a fifteen-cent reward. Dennis found my bridge. <laughs> He's got very sharp eyes. But, Mr. Benny, you said the reward was going to be 50 cents. No, uh, no, Dennis, 15. You see, kid, with my teeth out, it just sounded like 50. <laughs> see, I'll... Look, I'll show you, Dennis, look. 50, 15. You see, they're, they're exactly oh, alike. Oh, put your bridge back in. I was just proving something. Hiya, Jackson. Don't worry, fellas, the show'll start rolling now. <laughs> What a ham. I suppose the show doesn't get started till you get here, Phil. Huh? Oh, it gets started all right, but when I come on, I'm like a ray of sunshine, a breath of spring. <laughs> Phil, if that's spring on your breath, I've never smelled a scotch old <laughs> See, they know you. They didn't even let me finish the gag. <laughs> Brother, do they know you? <laughs> where, uh, where were you anyway? Phil? Well, I stopped in at the 302 Club to say hello. <laughs> to say, uh, to say hello? Yeah, my Aunt Sophie's a bouncer in there. <laughs> what? At her own, no, Aunt. The next time she slugs me, I'm going to defend myself. Well, I don't blame you. Say, Don, uh, go ahead and ask Phil, will you? Ask him what? You know, about the, uh, Axwell May. Oh, uh, oh, yes. Say, Phil, wasn't that a lovely ride we had down here in Jack's car? Yeah, it was all right. Hmm. Wonderful scenery, too. Hmm. <laughs> oh, Phil, you remember that beautiful orange grove we passed with that gas station right in the middle of it? <laughs> oh, yeah, that reminds me, Jackson. How much do I owe you? Forget it, Phil. Forget it. For heaven's sake. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Say, Mary, ain't this a wonderful layout they got here at the air base? It sure is. Colonel Robertson drove me all over in a Jeep. You know, I've always wanted to ride in one of them things. I'll bet it's a lot of fun. Say, dollar fifteen isn't gonna make me or break me. <laughs> Forget it, Phil. Forget it. Will you? I did already. Forget <laughs> it. Let's get on with the program. Okay. Now, Dennis, I think it's about time for your can't stand a chiseler. 
Dennis, I think it's about time for your song, so go ahead and entertain the boys. Yes, sir. I'll get a band leader next year that pays off, believe me. <laughs> with me, the cares of the day fade away. Like the ship we watch at sea When you're with me Each flower bursts into bloom Like the rose you gave to me But when you're gone I pray there may come a day There'll be more than just memories When you're with me But when you're gone The other along They seem to reach Into eternity When You're With Me by Harry Glick and Jimmy Lambert, sung by Dennis Day. Very good, Dennis. Say, Mr. Benny, remember last week when I dedicated my song to the Navigators and you told me what a Navigator was? Yes. Well, this week I'd like to dedicate my number to the Bombardiers. Yeah! Oh. Can you pound that into my head? <laughs> now, Dennis, I'm not going through that again. I'll tell you later. Tell them now, Jackson. I'm an eager beaver and I want to get help. <laughs> Eager beaver? What's that? Well, that's what they call a cadet around here that's snappy on his toes all the time, like me. Oh. Well, Phil, you're not exactly an eager beaver. You're more the jerky turkey type. <laughs> Whatever that means. However, uh, fellows, if you want to know what a bombardier is, here goes. Okay. Now, pay attention, Dennis Day. Do you want to be a dope all your life? <laughs> Quiet. Now, the, um, the bombardier fellows sit in the glass-enclosed nose of the ship, and when the navigator advises him they are nearing the target, he starts regulating his bomb sight. This delicate instrument represents the optimum in mechanical precision and coordination. Oh, I get it. Good. Is it risque? <laughs> No, it's not risque. Now, fellas, a bombardier is chosen for steady nerves and exceptional eyesight and is head man during the bombing operation. That is, he is in charge of the plane from the time the objective is sighted until he drops his egg. Oh, for heaven's sake. 
dentists. They're not really eggs. They're bombs. Oh, what? <laughs> Once the bombardier... <laughs> Once the bombardier has released the bombs, he relays this fact over intercommunication. And the plane proceeds to its home base. Now, are there any questions? Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be twins or triplets. <laughs> Take it easy, Phil. He's, uh, he's expecting folks, you know. Anyway, fellas, I hope I have clearly explained the bombardier and bomb site. You certainly have, Jack. And now let me explain about Jell-O. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're in constant intercommunication with your neighborhood grocer, ask him for a package of Jell-O. You'll find that it's not only economical and easy to make, but it's America's favorite gelatin dessert. And I know a bomb sight more about Jell-O than I do about aviation. <laughs> I thank you. Well, you're in there punching, Don. I wish I'd have thought of that myself. You know, that's one of the cleverest. Come in. Got a special delivery here for Mary Livingston. <laughs> I'll take it. Here you are, Mary. Got a sign for it, you know. Government regulation. <laughs> I know that. We've been getting special delivery letters for years. I've been delivering them for years and never got one, though. <laughs> all right, all right. Mary, uh, who's that? I haven't got my hand out to see if it's going to rain, you know. <laughs> Yes, yes, the uh, tip. Here you are. Oh, boy, a nickel. Now, now I can buy a half of a Saturday evening post. Get out of here. I think a nickel was poison or something. <laughs> oh, Jack, this is the cutest letter. It's from that handsome navigator I met at Mather Field last Sunday. Oh, Hutchison, eh? Yeah, I call him Hutch. Uh -huh. Listen to this. <laughs> My dear Miss Livingston, or may I call you Doll? Gee, he went right past Popeye, didn't he? Get this, Jack. Uh-huh. Just a mind to thank you for the big box of homemade fudge you sent me. I've often had it with nuts, but this is the only time I ever found bolts in it. <laughs> bolts in it? Uh, they were really nuts, but I didn't take the shells off them. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Continue. <laughs> Continue. You know, I had a dream about you last night, Mary, and just as I put my arms around you, somebody shook me. This is the first time I was ever kissed by a top sergeant. Well. I understand, Mary, that you and your father are doing your program from Santa Ana this week. Wait a minute. Did you tell that guy I was your father? No, he classified you himself. Prematurely gray, and he thinks I'm your father. Well, my father's prematurely gray, and he's younger than you are. All right, all right. <laughs> younger than you are, younger than you are. <laughs> Never mind, finish the letter. Anyhow, Mary, watch out for the cadets of Santa Ana. If you happen to go to Balboa with any of them, don't ride to the Tunnel of Love unless you take your father with you. <laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> Mary, when you write to him, straighten that out, will you? No other news, so we'll close with love to you from your own little Hutchie. Hutchie's about six foot two, and he's getting kittenish there. <laughs> P.S. 
you send me another box of that fudge, I'm going to keep it till I fly over Tokyo. That'll do the trick. Hey, that guy writes a pretty good letter. But you know, Mary, I don't think you should be making fudge when everybody's trying to conserve sugar. Sugar? Oh, that's what I forgot to put in it. What a cook. And now, ladies and gentlemen, this being I Am an American Day, as a special attraction, we're going to offer a musical salute to... Uh... Pardon me, I'll take it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester. Oh, hello, Rochester. What do you want? Boss, I told you we should have never taken that boat of yours along on this trip. He's crazy. Mr. Billingsley, what's the matter now? He thinks he's a bombardier. <laughs> a bombardier? Yeah, he's sitting on the radio of the car dropping ping-pong balls on an anthill. <laughs> oh, he's just playing. He'll be okay on the way home. He ain't going home. He says he's going to join the Air Force and kill Hitler. <laughs> Well, what's wrong with that? About five minutes ago, he looked right at yours truly and said, that suntan ain't fooling me, Adolf. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't even resemble the man. <laughs> Be calm now, Rochester. When I see Mr. Billingsley, I'll explain things to him. Well, don't let your bridge work stick out. He thinks you're a Jap. <laughs> well, look, Rochester, Mr. Billingsley won't hurt you. He's harmless, so don't worry. Who's worrying? Did you ever notice the wings spread on my razor? <laughs> you leave Mr. Billingsley alone. Now, Rochester, bring the car over here to the camp and pick me up right after the broadcast. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. Now what? I got bad news for you. I wasn't able to get that blowout fixed. You couldn't fix the blowout? Well, how are we going to drive home? It's all set. We got three tires and a hoop snake. <laughs> well, that might work. So long. I wish Rochester would try to understand Mr. Billingsley. After all, he paid me $115 to come down here. And now, ladies and gentlemen, this being I am an American day... As a special attraction, we are going to offer a musical salute to a great American, George M. Cohan. The orchestra is going to play a medley of some of his most popular song hits, which are now in Jimmy Cagney's new picture, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Take it, boys. But with propriety, society 
we'll say Marie, but it was Mary, Mary, long before the fashions came. And there is something there that sounds so square, it's a grand old name. You're a grand old flag, you're a high-flying flag, and forever on high may you wave. You're the emblem of the land I love, the home of the free and the brave. Every heart beats through under red, white, and blue, where there's never a boat or drag. But you don't acquaint and be of George M. Cohan's most popular numbers played by the orchestra. Hope you're listening in, George, and that you're feeling fine. Now, Don, we've only got a couple of minutes left, so should we give the folks our surprise novelty? Yes, Jack. Are you all set? Wait till I put this clothespin on my nose. Wait a minute. One second. Okay. Uh, okay, Don. I guess I sound a little more like him now. Uh, uh, go, go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, as most of you probably know, Fred Allen will be on the air in a little while, and of late he has been opening his show with an alleged comical analysis of the Jell-O program. Hey, what is this? You'll see, Dennis, you'll see. Now, this evening, folks, we would like to give you a preview of approximately what Mr. Allen will say about the program we've just concluded. Mr. Allen would probably start out something like this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> This is Fred Allen, that meager beaver talking. <laughs> and Jimmy, did you by any chance listen to Jack Benny's program tonight? Why, no, Fred, I didn't. Well, you didn't miss much. Benny was broadcasting from the Santa Ana Air Base out in California. He's been playing quite a few air bases lately. That's because they've been giving him free oxygen for his flat lungs. <laughs> What else did he do, Fred? Well, it seems that Benny drove his whole gang down from Hollywood in that old Maxwell of his and made them each pay for the ride. 
That's like putting a nickel in a jukebox to hear a raspberry. <laughs> oh, Mr. Allen, will you stop running down, Jack? Forty, you stay out of it. <laughs> and then, Jimmy, Mary read a letter that she got from a boyfriend that made her feel. And this fellow thought Jack was her father. Well... <laughs> <laughs> you can't blame the boy for thinking Jack Benny is that old. After all, the only reason George Washington stood up on the boat when he was crossing the Delaware was because Benny made his pants too tight. <laughs> and then at the end of the program, he gave a corny imitation of me, and that's about all there was to it. <laughs> gentlemen, a preview of what Fred Allen will say about Jack Benny. So if you still want to listen to his program, don't say we didn't give you fair warning. You said it. Play, Phil. <laughs> Dad and mother, sister and brother, they'll all love this swell new salad treat. Sea Dream salad made with delicious lime jello. And there'll be extra pleasure in it for mother because it's so easy to make. Now here's all you do. Just dissolve a package of lime jello in one pint of hot water. Add one tablespoon of vinegar, one half of one teaspoon of scraped onion, one half teaspoon of salt, and a dash of cayenne and pour it through a sieve. Then mold and serve on crisp lettuce with mayonnaise. And there's a delightful summer salad the whole family will enjoy. A tart, tantalizing salad made with cool emerald green lime jello. Perfect for warm weather meals. Get a package of lime jello tomorrow and serve this grand sea dream salad real often. But remember when you buy, be sure to get genuine Jell-O because Jell-O's flavor is locked in extra rich. We're a little late, so thanks, Colonel Robertson and all the boys, and good night. The Jell-O program is written by Bill Maher and Ed Boulogne and is broadcast each week by shortwave to our armed forces throughout the world. The presentation of this program from Santa Ana has been for the entertainment of the personnel stationed here and does not constitute an endorsement of our product by the War Department or its personnel. <laughs> <laughs>